I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Good enough is good enough is something you hear me say a lot. I have it in my books. I say it on the radio show. I say it a lot here on this podcast. It is a concept that is around since British psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott wrote of the good enough mother back in the 1970s. And it is true, but in a world that demands perfection, in a world that expects excellence, it can be difficult to hold that mantra in mind. The question arises, are we okay with being okay? Or do we hold ourselves to impossible standards of perfection so that nothing we do actually ever feels like it is good enough? Perfection is not good enough. Okay, it's really important we hold that in mind. Perfection is not good enough. And you know why? Because perfection forecloses on the possibility of mistakes. Without room to make mistakes, there can be no learning. And a life that does not offer the space and opportunity to learn and to grow through that learning is simply not good enough. A parent reached out to me saying she was really struggling with the concept of good enough. And her struggle was that she believed that she wasn't even good enough, that she was falling short of this supposedly attainable for everyone benchmark. When we peeled some layers back from this statement, she was measuring herself against the good enough of others around her. She was looking at parenting influencers and their, and look, many parenting influencers will tell you this up front, but their curated content online, a sliver of their day, but she was also looking at the other parents doing the school run or fundraising for charities while training for marathons. And even deeper, we got to they light up when they see their children after school. I greet mine with a knot in my stomach that my failings and shortcomings will show on their faces when they look up at me. And I just thought that was such a powerful line and such a sad, brave line brave to say it and sad that it was her truth. And instinctively, when a friend shares something like this, perhaps not the last part, but the part about fearing that they're not a good enough parent or not a good enough partner, we may feel compelled to rush to reassurance. Of course you are. You're great. Look at all you do. Your kids are thriving. You must be getting something right. Or we silver line their discomfort. Ah, Sherlock, we're all the same, but at least you have whatever, or at least you do X, Y, and Z. At least your kids are doing really well at school, or at least your kids are making the first sports team or whatever it is. When we respond with at least, we are refusing to meet someone in their icky, uncomfortable truth. We cannot sit with them in that place, so we rush to minimize what they have said, dismiss their pain in it by making it better. Just focus on the positive. It is not possible or even sensible to just focus on the positive. It is always worth acknowledging the positive. Of course it is. And looking for opportunities to see the positive. Of course, that's really worth doing. But it is also important that we acknowledge the negative and acknowledge our struggle. 
Because if you can truly see and feel me in my struggle, you enable me to feel felt, to get gotten, that is to experience a connection with you. And it is within the safety of this connection that I can find my way back to good enough. I feel accepted and empathized with, not judged and dismissed. When someone shares something painful with you, exhale. Don't feel like you have to fill the silence. Just take in what they've said, what they've shared with you and exhale. If appropriate and acceptable to the other person, you know, touch their hand with yours, put your hand on their shoulder. If None of that is okay. Just make eye contact. If it is okay, do it with eye contact, but make eye contact and maybe say something gentle like, I'm so sorry that this is your truth right now. I'm here with you. You are not alone in this place because you may feel powerless, like you don't know how to help or what to do. But know that giving me permission to feel the way I feel and telling me that you see me, that you feel me, that you are with me, that means everything in these difficult moments. And if you're listening to this and someone in your life, past or present, is popping into your mind, just let that happen. They're popping into your mind for a reason. Something I'm saying is resonating with you and is triggering a moment that you've shared or a moment you've experienced. And if you're recalling such a situation when perhaps you did rush to silver lining someone's narrative to pull them out of their uncomfortable truth, know that you did that with the best of intentions. That came from a really good, well-meaning place in you. You did that because you care and you wanted that person to feel better because you felt pulled to rescue them. Also know that you can call them up or meet them for a walk or for coffee, even if it's a long time since then. And you can say, hey, remember when you shamed, you know, remember when you shared rather that painful thing with me? I wish I had responded to you differently than I did at the time. I wish I'd been brave enough to just sit with you and bear witness to your struggle and let you know that you were not alone. I am here for you and you're never alone. It may have been a year ago. It may have been more than that, but it's never too late to repair a relational rupture and it is always worth attempting to do so. These words, even now, even a year after the event, could mean the world to someone in your life. It lets them know that you held them in mind, that you didn't take what they said lightly. And that's really, really important and really powerful as well. I think it takes a lot of courage to reach, to reach out to speak such vulnerability. I think it's really brave to say, I'm failing. I'm not good enough. I'm not in a good place. And to say that you're you're trying and falling short on where or how you'd like to be. I just think that's really brave. I think it takes courage, as I've said. I, I, I think the word here, though, for me, the key word is trying. And that's a significant word for anyone who, who identifies with the parent who reached out on this. I often speak here about focusing on effort over outcome when it comes to parenting your children with esteem. Well, now I want to restate that when we speak of building our own parental esteem as well. That is our own esteem as parents from the inside out. Focus on effort over outcome. If you are trying, just praise that effort. Look at how hard you're trying. And it doesn't mean it always works out. It doesn't mean you feel successful all the time. But you know that you're trying. You know that you're turning up. 
There is a quote um, out there. It's not often attributed to any one person, but it really resonates with me. And it comes to mind now as I speak about all of this. So I'll share it with you. And the quote is, falling apart is easy, but to hold it together when everyone would understand if you fell apart is true strength. To feel like you are falling short and yet still turn up each day, that takes strength and courage. To reach out and say that you're struggling, that takes strength and courage. And to state that you are not a good enough parent, that takes strength and courage. I'm not inclined myself to respond from a place of, oh, you know, surely it's not as bad as you think. And that's largely because, you know, this is my job. This is what I work in. Because when you tell me how how you feel, I believe you. Okay, you know how you feel. It's not for me to say, ah, now that's not how you're feeling. I accept that as your truth. I will ask you, as you listen to this, to find the aspect of your parenting that you struggle least with. In all that you're struggling with, what is the thing you struggle least with? Okay, bring that to mind. Give yourself that. I will ask that you think of the last time you laughed. I really threw your head back a good old raucous belly laugh. When's the last time you had that? What were you doing? Who were you with in that moment? And none of this is to deny the struggle, but it's to activate your strength and the hope in your relationships with your partner, with your children. And there's always hope. It's there. It might be helpful to spend time doing, you know, actually a time audit on your life and your day to day activities. What takes most and least of your time? Okay, what are you spending most of your day engaged with and actively doing and what gets least time? Are you happy about that? What would need to change to reorganize that? Make a list of tasks and people in your life. So things that you have to do on a regular basis, daily basis, people who are actively in your life, everyone, partner, children, friends, family, colleagues, everybody. And beside each, write a T takes from me or a G gives to me or an N neutral effect. Neither takes or gives. It's just something that is. If your life is filled with things and people who are only taking from you and you are very light on things and people who give back to you, then no wonder you feel as though you're running on empty and falling short. We need to stay invested in our non-parenting selves as well. I recently spoke with the journalist Arlene Harris for an article she was writing for the Irish Independent on empty nest syndrome, that feeling of loss when your children grow up and move out and away, and that some parents have. Not all parents experience it, but some do. My advice, you know, in talking to her was about owning and naming your feelings of struggle, ensuring that you had interests and relationships apart from your parenting role. There were other things, of course, said, and lots of people contributed to that article. So it's a very rich read. But soon after I had spoken to Arlene, so that kind of theme was on my mind. I was out for a walk near where I live and I bumped into a woman who had lost her bearings and was looking for her parked car on the wrong road. She said to me, I can't find my car and I don't know if I'm on the right road. And so we had a chat and I asked her where she started her journey from and where she had 
you know, what was the landmark she had parked closest to. And we worked it out together and I stayed with her and I walked with her to the other road to ensure that she could locate it there. And we found her car. And as we walked, she talked about how she felt a little out of sorts at the moment, you know, that she's like, I can't believe I I lost my car. This isn't like me, but I'm just not myself right now. And she went on to say that her child, her adult child, had recently moved out and away from home, out of the country, in fact. And she found herself feeling lost. And she said lost in every way. She's like, I I was lost emotionally. I'm lost within myself. Who am I? Whose am I? If I'm not her parents doing everything for her every day, who am I? And this then had manifested into getting lost in a very real sense. She reflected that she had devoted the last 24 years to being a parent and really surrendered her outside interests and relationships as she became consumed with the daily demands of parenting. And her parting words to me were poignant. She said, make sure you don't lose yourself in parenting. And I just thought that was really powerful. And I thanked her and we said goodbye. And I think it was just one of those really interesting, random connections that we can have when, you know, we take the earphones out and look up from our phones and look around us and are available to meet people and have connections, even brief ones. I certainly appreciated meeting her that day um, and being able to have that conversation. But we need to, what I took from the conversation with her and the conversation with Arlene for the newspaper article was, we need to have a life that is rich and varied. It enables us to stay connected with ourselves and our desire. It allows us to parent without losing our identity to that role, to take time to invest in ourselves, our passions, our interests, our friendships, and our identity, which is not only good for us, but also for our children and others in our lives. You can love your children and not always enjoy parenting. Okay, just let that sit for a moment. You can love your children and not always enjoy parenting. Those two feelings can coexist and it is quite normal to feel frustrated or fed up as a parent. It can feel like an endless groundhog day of doing and saying the same things and that can wear a person out. This is why having a source of pleasure and joy in your life outside of parenting is important. It's essential, in fact. It allows you to see that this may not have been a good day, but there is joy in life. If you've ever sat in the bathroom holding your head in your hands and fantasized about a different life path, you are not alone. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent or not good enough as a parent. Not at all. It's a recognition of the exhausting aspect of parenting, the endless and relentless demands, especially in those early years. But actually, we'll have waves of this at each stage of parenting as demands shift and change, but they don't disappear. Parenting is hard, frequently thankless, and you can feel like you're stuck on a repeat loop each day. Of course, there's joy in there, too, and there's beautiful, happy, pleasurable moments. But Again, like I said, we have to give ourselves permission to acknowledge and feel the tough days and the tough moments instead of sugarcoating them with, ah, but it's great, really. It can be great and it can be hard. Those two things can coexist. So what do you do about it? Talk to your co-parent or family or friend if you're parenting alone and ask for what you need. Can you help me out one evening a week after the kids are in bed so that I can take this class or join this group or get out for a walk or whatever, whatever it might be? Ask for what you need. Audit your social media feeds. 
sit down and scroll through the accounts you follow, engage with, frequent the ones that frequent your feed most. Do they spark joy or guilt in you? Edit and delete accordingly and do this regularly because we can start following accounts that are, oh, that's so cool. That's great. And actually that can wear out after time and it's time to change things up. Set limits on your social media apps and limit the time you're online. When you're feeling low, time online actually won't help you. Reach out and reconnect with someone from your life you no longer see or speak to as much as you wish you could. Just reach out and say, I know it's been ages. But I'd really like to reconnect. Do you have time for a phone call? Maybe you're able to meet up. Don't make it vague. Uh, we must meet up sometime. Actually have a time in mind and make a plan. And when it's all getting too much, pivot and play. Pivot and play. Okay? Throw a song on and dance like no one is watching you. Sing out of tune and at the top of your lungs. Throw open the door or window and get some air. Get everyone outside and play chasing or tag because changing the field of vision, changing your physical environment and running around laughing short circuits the moment you were spiraling in. Okay, pivot and play. Reach out and talk to someone safe and trusted. This will be a friend for some of us and a professional for some others. And either is fine, whatever works for you. If you would benefit from a professional therapeutic parenting consult or adult psychotherapy, reach out and look for that. If co-parenting, talk to your partner and say that you need help to be the best version of yourself in all areas of your life. And this means that you need some more space, opportunities for fun, a date night together, but something that's just for you as well. Because good enough depends on effort over outcome. So keep trying. The fact that you're trying is good enough. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15 minute parenting.